we've got to be asking ourselves hard questions. And that is, have I made God in my own image or is God making of me a new thing? And, and that, I think, is the question. When Jesus is about to be born, we're about to celebrate Jesus' birth. Jesus is coming again into the world. God is intervening into the world. And what does that intervention mean? Does it rearrange our furniture? This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao. And this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith Weekly Devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Happy day, Bishop. Happy day. Good to see (laughs) you. This week's devotion is called Beyond, and it's about John the Baptist from Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. John was doing what he was born to do, preparing the way for the Messiah and preaching to all who'd listen. And this is, this is the brood of vipers passage, right? <laughs> so I happen to know that John the Baptist is one of your favorite people in the Bible. Favorite. And oh, well, that's awesome. Uh, the favorite. So I'm wondering if you'd like to share a little bit about why. So maybe not the favorite, but certainly among, certainly in the top three, right? So what I like about John is that, that John is curious. John John is is very much like Sister Helen Prejean, who we talked uh, to last week. Um, he's living a middle-class existence. Mom and dad are involved in the church. They're good and proper people with lovely resumes. Uh, they give to all the right charities. They know what the salad fork is and the regular fork and the soup spoon and all of that. <laughs> and yet, John ends up you know, shin deep, you know, in the muddy Jordan River baptizing people, right? I mean, so how does that happen? And so, you know, my hypothesis is is that, uh, you know, John paid attention uh, in Sabbath school, what we would call Sunday school, and realized that that at at the Jordan, inviting people to give their lives to God was exactly where he he needed to be, or he ends up uh, in the Jordan because he paid attention in Sabbath school and didn't see his local congregation taking up that behavior. So he felt like it was the right thing to do. And so, so either way, you, you, get, you get John not as some sort of religious caricature, but you get, you get John as saying to people and having the courage to say to people, you know, we 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 are more likely to make God into our image, but what if we made our lives into what God would have them to look like? And that puts him at the Jordan, and that puts him in front of people looking for sincerity, right? And then that also causes him to call insincerity insincerity, and therefore that's why you get you brood of vipers. And he's talking to religious people. And so the religious people, do you think they were just coming around and inspecting like what was going on? <laughs> like, why were they there? Well, I mean, scripture says they were, they were coming out to see there's this, there's this thing, there's a new kid in town, you know, there's a new, a new charismatic pastor in town and all the people are showing up at his little outdoor congregation and he looks funny and he's, he, his, his, 
his uh, his DoorDash, you know, food is funny. You know, his Grubhub is funny. I mean, everything about him is is funny, and he's a scandal because isn't that the little boy that we saw growing up in the temple? So, I mean, he's a spectacle, right? And I think that you know, a lot of people come out according to scripture come out because he creates a space. Uh, he creates a, uh, a market opportunity that didn't exist before for people who were trapped in their sins and didn't have money to pay and all that sort of stuff. He creates a space for them to say, I'm sorry to God and to, to decide to, to change their lives. And, uh, and this was curious even for religious people. And so the, the, the religious people come out uh, and they want to see what's what's going on. And, you know, unfortunately, sometimes when, when God is doing a new thing in the church, church folks show up mostly as critics uh, because it looks different from our, our time-tested traditions. Um, and and, and, and John, John is doing John's thing. And, and we have to remember who John is. John is Jesus's big cousin, and John is Jesus's revival preacher. And Jesus takes up John's ministry once John is beheaded, right? So, so John is an influential guy, um, and we need Johns, and we need Jesuses, right? We need we need the ones who are unapologetic, uh, who 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 call insincerity insincerity. Um, we need Johns. We need more Johns. We need people with courage of conviction. Uh, and we need more Jesuses. We need Jesus people who can get alongside of all kinds of people, right? Whether they be duplicitous or not. Uh, and so there's a wonderful dance that happens in Scripture between John and Jesus. This past week, I was reminded that prophets don't foretell the future necessarily, but they're actually here to talk to the religious uh, folks who are typically getting it wrong and need to be kicked in the shin. Yeah, <laughs> I, I kind of that, like that's it. That's right. I, I, think, I think that's right. Um, you know, I tell you, I, I tell you an, another definition I would lay beside that of the prophets, right? So we know prophet is the the one who sees before, right? So 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 there there is part of seeing before, but it comes from seeing deeply into now, right? right. Because I see deeply into now, I get an inkling of what's up ahead. So there's that. But then number two. You know, the prophet is the one who feels deeply. I think we need to think in terms of that. The prophet is the one who feels deeply. So what about John standing at the River Jordan feeling deeply uh, the pain of people who are poor and left out uh, and sinful, who can't take a seat in the fine congregation, who are unwelcome in the fine congregation? So what if, what if John is feeling deeply in that moment? And that's why he is bold, and that's why he creates a space, and that's why he is forthright and candid. Maybe John feels deeply, and another way to look at that is that maybe he feels deeply about how the congregation, how the regular tradition has strayed from remembering that they were people lost in the wilderness until God extended God's mercy to them. You know, that's the thing about us, isn't it, Uh, is that we get spiritual amnesia. You know, we get a little bit of religion. And we get our life halfway together, and then we start looking down our nose at everybody else. You know, they used to say that uh, you know a little bit of karate is dangerous, right? Because it'll get your butt kicked, right? <laughs> and a li- and a little bit of religion. What we do with a little bit of religion is we start beating up on other people, 
right? And so maybe John felt deeply about that, that the religious tradition had given itself over to being highly critical of people trapped in their sins and had forgotten the fact that God is merciful. And God is always trying to create spaces of mercy so that you and I might sincerely say, I'm sorry, and then begin a new chapter with God and with one another. All right, friends, we'll be right back after a short break. This is Four People producer Easton Davis thanking you for listening to Four People. Four People is a space of digital evangelism dedicated to sharing the good news and leadership of Jesus Christ. Who do you know that needs to hear today's episode? Who do you want to hear it? Subscribe to Four People and keep up with us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. And now back to Four People. Welcome back to Four People. Um, so, Bishop, after chewing on your devotion a little bit, I got to wondering about how sure I am of certain things. Like, <laughs> I, I know this. And, and I was like kind of like identifying with the religious people showing up, right? Like, I'm certain God loves God's creation, and that includes me. And I'm certain of a number way, I mean, way more than just a number of things. And yet after reading your thoughts, I started questioning myself, <laughs> like, should I be certain? And so, and, and when I am certain, am I more like the spectators, the religious spectators or more like John the, ba- John the Baptist? And so can you say more about what you meant when you said the intention of their tradition was to deliver them to moments of deliberate decisions for God? Yeah. So, uh, so I, I think, well, first of all, I would say that, that you and I it, living with God will give us um, moments of clarity and it will also give us moments of profound doubt. And that's just what it means to have a life with God, right? That uh, on, on today, I know uh, and I'm clear about certain things, gently clear, I like to say. And then on other days, you know, what's it all about, Alfie? What am I doing? You know, what's my, what's my, what's my place in the grand drama? So I, I think that's normal. And when we have those moments of profound doubt, this is why we have a script. This is why we have a story that we're plugged into is because I'm not left to my own musings. I'm wedded to a story. I'm tethered to a story. So I am who God says I am. Right. And I can do what God says that I can do. And my purpose, my best purpose in life is to join Jesus in his purpose. And that's how we get to life abundant. Right. So that's how we push through those moments. Right. But those moments come to all of us. Right. So so what I was saying by saying that the tradition. So my tradition as an Episcopalian and our the best of our religious traditions, their job, their purpose is to point us. Right beyond ourselves and our smallness, our various smallnesses, and to point us, you know, to God, right? That's, that's the point of it. But, but, but you and I, this is why we call it sin, right? You and I are wonderfully imaginative. And so we can mess up even God's best design. So, so, so the church and scripture and liturgy and music and all that stuff is, is, you know, 
for our benefit, to guide us deeper into a real life with one another, with ourselves and with God. But we mess it up and, and we, we, we try to make these things into our own image. And so, and so what can happen is, is that we can just lapse into a terrible spiritual complacency, right? And you see this in congregations, you see this in churches, you know, all over. What we think the job is, is, is just to sort of get ourselves to cruising altitude, if you will, right? Uh, enough money, enough this, enough that. When, when actually the better, the better uh, sort of word for us is that we're on a journey, right? We're always asking ourselves, what does fidelity to Jesus mean today, right? What does it mean this morning for me? I mean, I know you're in New Orleans right now. So what does it mean for you in, in New Orleans right now, right? What does it mean in my marriage right now? What does it mean in my parenting right now? What does it mean with my next raise? What, is, what does it mean for my retirement, right? You know, when, when we retire. So, so I, I think that tradition has got to point us beyond, and beyond is what John does. I mean, this is John's great gift to us, right? John is always pointing beyond. John is pointing beyond himself. They wonder if John is the Messiah. John is like, hold up, that's not my job. My job is not Messiah. My job is to say these words right now, create this space at the Jordan, welcome people to a new life in God. That's my job. I'm pointing also beyond myself. So I have my task. But also there's a task that's beyond me that God is going to come and do among us. And that he's, of course, referring uh, to his little cousin, uh, Mary's little boy. And so I think we've got to remember that. And so what we've got to do as religious people is always be asking ourselves and spiritual people. We've got to be asking ourselves hard questions. And that is, have I made God in my own image or is God making of me a new thing? And, and that, I think, is the question. When Jesus is about to be born, we're about to celebrate Jesus' birth. Jesus is coming again into the world. God is intervening into the world. And what does that intervention mean? Does it rearrange our furniture? Or do we just simply welcome the baby to sit down where we want the baby to sit down and shut up when we want the baby to shut up? Hmm. Well, okay. So that leads me to a bit of a question. Like, Can we get a little philosophical? Why not? <laughs> because... I often compare and contrast the words expectation and anticipation. Okay. And the passage you reflected on says that the people were filled with expectation. And in my mind, expectation connotes assurance and it can be indignant. It can be spoiled. It can be a number of things and it's Advent. So it's a season of anticipation. So my big, not so rhetorical question is, who the hell are we to expect anything from God? Yeah, well, that's a pretty good question. I don't know if I get to assurance from expectation, but here's what I would do with that thought. I would say that Scripture lays out a series of promises uh, of God to God's faithful people. And I think, so that's who we are. We are who God says we are. We are God's children. We are God's inheritors. We are the inheritors of a promise, right? And so I think that we've got to take ourselves out of the center of that wheel, right? And so I'm plugged into God's story, and therefore I am who God says I am, right? So I'm beloved, right? And God says is that I can expect God's presence with me. And God says that I should expect that God will answer prayers, and God said that I should, I should expect that there, are, there is family and fellowship possible with those who believe. And God said that there is life abundant if I trust God. 
And God said that if I sow and if I'm generous, that there's all kinds of wonderful benefits that accrue not only to me, but to the world that God loves. And so, so yeah, I mean, I could get to who the hell am I easily because, you know, and that's a, you know, I'm not, I don't want to, uh, you know, run roughshod over that question because even the psalmist asked that. Psalm 8, one of my favorite psalms says, who am I that, that you know, that the son of God should be mindful of me? You know, this God who hung the moon, stars, the planets in their courses, who am I? I think the better question is, who is God? Right. And I, and I think that so, so, so that in some ways we, we come back now full circle because John wants to keep pointing us past ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right. I think when we get uh, too far down the road of, you know, who am I? Uh, then we get into a worthiness trap. Right. And you can't get into a worthiness trap with God because none is worth, none are worthy. None. Not the most pious among us, the best among us, none are worthy of God's. Uh, goodness to us, God's mercy to us. We we can't earn it. So so we can't fall for the worthiness trap. In fact, that is the good news of the gospel. That is the good news at the Jordan River that day, that you don't deserve it. There's nothing you deserve, right? You're an infinitesimal speck on the timeline, right, of the universe. And yet God has endowed we, these wonderful, peculiar specks, with dignity, with belovedness, with purpose. I mean, that's the good news of the gospel. Oh, wow. Okay. So yes. (laughs) Yes. I kind of feel like, I don't know that I need to ask you any more questions because you just landed the plane. (laughs) But you know what, Bishop, honestly, like that's where it's at, right? It's not about who are we. It's not about who we are. It's not our worthiness. Therefore, we need not judge others. Yeah. I, someone I love says uh, and respect greatly says we've got to keep our eyes on our own paper. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So that's good. right. That's, anyway. I think that's, 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 we learned that in school. We should do that now. <laughs> exactly right. That's right. Well, uh, Bishop, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? <laughs> no, I, I pay some attention to John the Baptist. I think, I think if you can get beyond his, his crusty exterior, you'll find a warm, beaten heart. Yeah, man. Well, thank God for that. Thank you, Bishop, as always. And thank you, listeners, to listening to Four People. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week. 